The Blaze Radio Network. On demand. Glenn Beck. Well, the most historic meeting between two adversaries since the fall of the Soviet Union just happened in Singapore. If you were following the news coverage late last night, you were uh, witnessing history. President Trump, Kim Jong-un, have left Singapore after a meeting that was anticipated for 65 years. Now, what happened? Well, first, the bad. Uh, he didn't, I, I didn't really like to see, you know, uh, uh, Donald Trump throwing kisses and, uh, and uh, the people cheering for Kim Jong-un. Um, you know, I, I just... I don't know. There's something about just even our flag next to to uh, North Korea, one standing for liberty and peace and opportunity, and the other is slavery, hostility, and a cultish following. But circumstances as they were, uh, the two shook hands and photographs of roundtable discussions. If you're worried that a cult leader, mass murdering communist dictator would gain legitimacy, well, that's exactly what happened. If this had been President Obama, everyone would be destroying him right now. How can we concede so much? John Kerry and Susan Rice, Ben Rhodes, we'd be calling for their heads on a platter. But I think it is also important to look at this optic as as the time period that we're in now. The current administration doesn't fall for the same mistakes that Obama did. We're right to criticize the Iran deal. The inspections were weak. They didn't include military facilities. The deal had a sunset clause. We gave them hundreds of millions of dollars in cash, secretly delivered it in pallets on the, you know, to the Iranian tarmac. They didn't curb their ballistic missile program at all. We didn't even ask them to. We could go on and on and on. The deal was a disaster. But it was because our president at the time believed that we were the aggressors in the world say what you want about donald trump i don't believe that he believes that throughout history america has been the aggressor and so he's going to set the record straight that somehow or another the korean war was because we were so aggressive i don't think donald trump has even thought about the korean war up until recently And I don't think that he thinks we were the aggressor. Look at how we were fighting ISIS under Barack Obama. Look how we're fighting ISIS today. Flash forward a few years, and Iran has taken all of those freshly unlocked billions and used it to sweep the entire Middle East. The deal between President Trump and Kim Jong-un will be nothing like that. Now, that's if it goes forward. We didn't really get anything last night. Let me give you the good side. In 1950, the Secretary of State gave a speech to the National Press Club outlining the U.S. defense perimeter following World War II. But during that speech, he mistakenly left off one key country, South Korea. Kim Il-sung, Kim Jong's grandfather, had uh, uh, begun begging Stalin to let him invade the South. But the Soviets were holding him in check. They didn't want to provoke a U.S. response. But the speech provided an opening. 
It was immediately translated and rushed to Stalin's desk, and Stalin called emergency meetings with both Mao and Kim, and the attack order was given, and the rest is tragic history. That was 40,000 Americans that would die in the next three years because one man made a mistake in a speech. In short, the Korean War was just a diplomatic accident, a disaster, but an accident. Should have never happened. And it is high time that we end it. The president opened a door. Formally ending the Korean War and denuclearizing the North, but keeping the but keeping the legitimizing and the complimenting of a mass murder communist dictator of a slave state. We should keep those out of the discussions, but there is, I think a method to the madness. This is Kim Jong-un's shot at being on the world stage for something different than being evil. And I think the president knows that. And I think it has a chance to work. It's Tuesday, June 12th. You're listening to the Glenn Beck program. Do we have the audio, Sarah, of that um, that film that Donald Trump had made for the opening of the uh, event yesterday, the press conference. I think that uh, I sent it to Mike. I, I think it was. I think it's important that we we see the possible mad uh, uh, method to Donald Trump's seeming madness. That everybody you know is saying, well, this is this is crazy, and we didn't get anything out of it. Well, we didn't. But remember what happened at Reykjavik. We didn't get anything either. Ronald Reagan walks away from the table and everybody was like, this is crazy. He won't give up Star Wars. No, because there was a reason he wanted more. Now, we don't have we don't have Star Wars. What is the pressure that we have? Because remember, Gorbachev, Gorbachev wanted his country to change. Kim Jong Un does not want his country to change. There's no glass nose that is that is happening here. So what is it that we have? Economic pressure? Okay. They're already starving. We going to hurt his people more than Kim Jong Un? You going to start a uh, a coup with Kim Jong Un? What? He he kills everybody for looking at him sideways. So how are you going to do this? We had Gorbachev that brought down the wall. And Gorbachev wanted Glasnost. So he opened up the door and that let the infection of freedom in and it collapsed it from the inside, along with economic pressure and, and, and everything else. We don't have that. What we do have is a guy who's an egomaniac that runs that country. A guy who wants to be famous. Did you find the video, Sarah? Okay. Well, I will, uh, we'll play it later on in the program. 
uh, this video Donald Trump had made, and it's like a Hollywood movie. It, it, it's like a trailer, you know, even says starring Donald Trump and Kim Jong-un. And the whole feeling of it is, what if, what if this one leader from South Korea, from North Korea decides to choose the future and it paints him as this global hero if he chooses the future. If he chooses the past, it shows nuclear obliteration. But if he chooses the future, so you've planted the seed of, I can be famous in the whole world, not just my country. Now, his hardliners around him are going to say, no, that's a trick. Don't do it. You can't do this. He's going to kill them. He'll end up killing the hardliners. And I think for a guy like, look, we all know Donald Trump. How do you get Donald Trump to do something, Stu? How do you get him to do something he doesn't want to do? Uh, flatter him. And um, have some opposing people who say, you can't do that. Right, yeah. If you have yeah, opposition sure. that says, in no uncertain terms, you can't do that, it makes him want to do it. Right. And if the other side is flattering him, it's a done deal. It's a done deal. I think Donald Trump, he may not be self-aware enough to know that he does this, but I think, you know, the one thing that you can spot in other people are the things that you are. Even if you don't have self-awareness, he can read Kim Jong-un, unlike, I think, any other president, because in some ways, he has that same trait of nobody's going to tell me what to do. And if you flatter me, I'm going to be I'm going that direction. So that's what he's doing. I, I think and this is this is going to be controversial. And I don't know if any of this is true. This may be wishful thinking. But I think that if you compare what happened with Reykjavik and what is happening now, there is no comparison in some regard, because we don't have Star Wars. We don't have that tough as nails. We're going to collapse you and you're an evil empire and we're going to destroy you. We don't have that. We also don't have a Gorbachev inside who says, I want to open my country up. So without a Star Wars, what do we have? We have his desire to be part of the world. We have his desire to be famous. Here's the controversial part. I actually think because of the time, who's in office, how this is playing out, I actually think that if it works out that we denuclearize, I think Dennis Rodman deserves some credit. <laughs> yeah. No, you don't think so? No, but I... I'm on the border on here, this. Yeah. I mean, this is all conjecture at this point. This is if this works. 
Right. Let's just say, yeah, for example, we're mm-hmm. in the, uh, by the way, the top of the first inning. On this yes. One. I yes. mean, people who are, are celebrating this as, as an accomplishment, I don't think anyone in the Trump administration would tell you it is an accomplishment no. yet. And, and it and is anybody, the first step towards one. And anybody who's tearing it down, right. remember, you, you tore down Reagan right after he left Reykjavik. Exactly. It, it worked. It, it's, you know, hopefully this leads to something is Correct. where we are. And that's Correct. a great place to be. It's Correct. better than we're bombing each other. Correct. So that's positive. Um, but, uh, here's the thing on Rodman and I, again, like we're going to play, we'll have the Rodman audio of him crying on CNN and it's bizarre. It's a bizarre, bizarre, really bizarre. Here's the one thing I'll give Rodman credit for. Kim Jong-un is Adolf Hitler. He's not just some silly goose. And it is important to remember that. It's important to remember that this guy is as of 2016, at least still investing Tons of money into concentration camps. Yes. He is not a jokey character. Mm -hmm. What I find interesting and potentially you give Rodman a little credit for this. It would have been very strange for a U.S. president to go visit Adolf Hitler as he's building concentration camps. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if this is credit, but I think it's an effect that Rodman's visits over there helped make it more silly. It was instead of visiting Adolf Hitler, it was visiting a moron, right? When that's the, and Michael Malice will be on here in a few minutes with us, and he'll be happy to tell us that that is not the case, right? That is not mm-hmm. who these people are. Mm-hmm. But in a way, the perception was, okay, this is a guy, it's kind of like this Dennis Rodman's going there and playing basketball for him. It's kind of, it, it took away that that really um, spooky, spooky, you know, genocidal maniac mm-hmm. vibe. It made him more into Dr. Evil. Yeah. Almost a, ca- a cartoon character, which Correct. is not true. He's not that guy. Right. But it did maybe ease the path for a U.S. president to go over there and visit him. Rodman also said something really important last night while he was crying, which is a bizarre interview we'll play in a minute. <laughs> yeah. um, he uh, He said... Uh, you know, he's just a kid. He's just like a kid. He Rodman talked to Trump about this, and he said he talked to Obama, and he said Obama wouldn't listen to him at all. And you know, I probably wouldn't have listened to Donald or to uh, no. to Rodman either. <laughs> Nor would many in his family, right? But Donald Trump did listen to him at this point, and I think what Rodman saw uh, and was reporting on is this guy just wants to be loved. I just want to be loved. And he is, that's more important to him than anything. Now I'm not saying that what's not, what, what won't happen is that he will continue to be the leader of North Korea for a long time. What has to happen is he has to let his guard down he has to open the walls of his country. And then, just like the Soviet Union, it will collapse from within. You can't have these two regimes open. You cannot have people coming in from North Korea into South, uh, from South Korea going into North Korea and expect everything to be okay. It won't. The people of South Korea will be affected by the North in a very uh, hostile way, in some ways, they'll see what's happening to their family members. And the people of South Korea 
will see the wealth and the access of their brothers and sisters and families, and they will want part of it. It's Glasnost. It will, Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. He didn't do it because Ronald Reagan said it. Ronald Reagan just was the final impetus to have those people who had been living behind that wall to say, I've had enough. And that's what could happen because of a man's ego. That would that that ego would be Kim Jong Un's. Yeah, if you watch and and, and Dennis Rodman. Yeah, sure. Um, if you watch the the actual handshake of yeah. him, the Rodman thing looked accurate. He looked like a little boy. He he like it didn't look like a world leader at all. He looked like a nervous kid at a spelling bee. Like it was just a weird vibe. I'm telling you, he sees an opportunity to be the greatest Kim of all time. In 2017, the Better Business Bureau heard more than 5,000 complaints about alarm companies, which puts home security in the top 10% of the most complained about uh, industries. Isn't that crazy? The top 10 of the most, most complained about industries are the ones who are watching our home? That's not good. And why is that? Because the alarm systems that come, you know, wired for your house... They got you. They know they have you. You can't that, that alarm system they put in. No good without them. Can't use it without them. You can't switch alarm companies unless somebody else comes in and wires your house and all this stuff. And there's all kinds of hidden fees in their contracts. They work hard to actually, I think, you know, plant tricks and fine print in their contracts. Now, Simply Safe is the exact opposite. Not only do they have a clean contract, they have no contract. You own the system. So they don't ever have you over, uh, you know, over the barrel. You own the system. They ask you, would you like the 24-7 coverage? You can say yes or no at any time. You can cancel. You do whatever you want. It's yours. That's why they have an A-plus rating with the BBB for over 10 years now. SimplySafeBeck.com. Go there now, learn more about it, save a buttload of money and a lot of anguish. It's SimplySafeBeck.com. All right. Um, let's play a little bit of this video just so you hear uh, just a little bit uh, of what Donald Trump had made for the introduction of him and Kim Jong-un. Seven billion people inhabit planet Earth. Of those alive today, only a small number will leave a lasting impact. And only the very few will make decisions or take actions that renew their homeland and change the course of history. History may appear to repeat itself for generations, cycles that never seem to end there have been times of relative peace and times of great tension so i we have to later on in the program play this whole thing but you notice what he's saying here about the cycles and the generations that the generation just keeps repeating well if that isn't the kim family i don't know what is now in this video it it says you know donald trump is one of those men but the last half of it really concentrates on Kim Jong-un. 
I think this was a masterstroke of playing to Kim Jong-un's ego. Uh, it's an interesting game that is being played. We're going to talk to one Westerner who probably knows him better than anybody other than Dennis Rodman. Next. Let's go to uh, Michael Malice. Uh, he is author of the book Dear Reader, the Unauthorized Biography of uh, Kim Jong-il. Welcome to the program, Michael. Thank you so much. So, Michael, we've been talking uh, the last half hour. I don't know if you've had a chance to uh, listen, uh, but but we have been um, kind of dancing around the idea that uh, the game that I think Donald Trump is playing is he is trying to appeal to Kim Jong-un's ego. Uh, and I think Dennis Rodman kind of stumbled on it without really knowing Kim is a uh, is like a as Dennis said like a child in some ways. He just wants to be liked. He wants to play in the West. He wants to be that guy. Unlike Gorbachev, he doesn't want to change his country. And Donald Trump is playing to his ego to get him to want more of that uh, and be able to stand up to the hardliners and kind of come our way. Do you think that's accurate or not? I think that's half accurate. And in fact, I think what Donald Trump is doing is exactly what North Korea lays out as their strategy in their literature, which is you go after someone with empty threats, not with empty threats, with strong threats, and at the same time, you leave them one exit in order to get them to do what they want. And the example they use, they say things like, North Korea is offended. We've never been you know, insulted like this. This is absolutely outrageous. However, if you want to give us some oil, We'll look the other way. So I'm very certain behind the scenes and publicly, the threats have been very, very strong. And just like remember that letter when President Trump canceled the summit, it was it had the same time it had threats. We have the world's biggest nuclear arsenal, but he's also like, please do the right thing. So he's showing him the back of his hand and reaching out for a handshake at the same time. So what do we get out of this then? Because I. Uh um if as i read this i was i was hoping and i still am hoping that what's happening is he'll open the doors enough gorbachev did it intentionally but he'll open the doors enough and it will rot it quickly because of the infection of freedom it will rot it from the inside and he'll collapse well gorbachev didn't do it completely intentionally in this sense there's this phenomenal book called Revolution 1989, which I recommend to everyone, which talks about how after Poland had their elections, uh, country after country in the Soviet Union, in the Soviet bloc, excuse me, started to liberalize and governments start to fall. And Ceausescu of Romania and East Germany were calling Gorbachev saying, you got to send in the tanks. And he said, I refuse. And as a result of this, the domino, this was the actual domino theory. Right. That's what brought down the Soviet empire. So, at a certain point, when you put your hand, you take your hand off the wheel, uh, events have a momentum of their own doing. Uh, no matter how bright people think Kim Jong-un is, and it's kind of baffling to me how so many people in the corporate press want to make him out to be the biggest genius of all time, if only to make President Trump look stupid by comparison. No matter how bright you are, uh, there's a certain point where you don't realize what's going to happen Correct. to you. And, and the other thing is, uh, Kim Jong-un didn't earn his position. 
he inherited it. Right. He's, he's an, uh, it's an heir. So if there is this kind of paternalism on behalf of President Trump saying, look, kid, you got to do the right thing, especially in a country like uh, North Korea, like much of Asia, which is so based on respecting and venerating those who are older. Uh, this could be an absolutely wonderful technique President Trump is doing behind the scenes and publicly praising him. But, you know, listen, if someone has hostages and you want to say nice things about him, fine by me. If it works, it works. Um, yeah. Michael, I was thinking of you as all this was breaking last night of how bizarre this must look to the North Korean people. You know, who they got, you know, a half century of, of saying that we're so evil and, and, and we're going to come attack them at any moment. And then all of a sudden there they are smiling and and shaking hands with Kim Jong-un and President Trump. Is that just one of those things where they see Kim Jong-un is the ultimate authority? He knows what's right. Do they see this as a victory on their side? How do the North Korean people see this? Uh, I mean it's not going to be hard for them to spin it back home right. as look, the American president is praising Kim Jong-un saying we have a great relationship saying how you know wonderful he is, how well we work together. And this was Kim Jong-un bending Donald Trump to his will um, and, and, and so on and so forth and guaranteeing, you know, protection and, and that they wouldn't interfere with their, with the country. You know, this is what we've been waiting for for 70 years. The U.S. imperialists, as we're referred to, have been trying to conquer Korea since the 1860s when we sent General, USS General Sherman there. And now, finally, Kim Jong-un has achieved peace. And their slogan they always use is, uh, we're not af- we are not afraid of war, uh, but we are prepared for war. Mm. And Applebaum runs in the Washington Post. I want to get your take on this. For Kim Jong-un, the moment is vis- this moment is vindication. The wisdom of his nuclear policy has been confirmed. His tiny, poor, often hungry country, where hundreds of thousands have perished in concentration camps that, little, that differ little from those built by Stalin, has been treated as the equal of the United States of America. If Kim hadn't continued the missile program, if he hadn't enhanced his missile delivery capability, President Trump would not be there. Um, Anne Applebaum is an amazing woman who's, who wrote the book Gulag, a history, a history yeah. which just traces the Gulag. I mean, I can't recommend it enough. Um, and there are many comparisons between the Kim regime and Stalin. Specifically during the 90s, they chose to allow one to two million people to starve just like Stalin did with Ukraine. Uh, So this is a genocidal regime. It's not just dictatorial, which is bad enough. Um, I I think the idea that Kim Jong-un needs validation, certainly his own country, is false. Uh, If he gets validation on the world stage, at a certain point, you have to respect someone with nukes. I don't mean respect in the sense of, oh, you're such a person that I admire, but you have to acknowledge their strength and that this has to be dealt with. So I think she has a point that, but for the nukes, this wouldn't be an issue necessarily with President Trump. At the same time, it seems so clear that this worried him at a human rights level. Uh, I mean, that's so much of what he focused on. And I mean, this is something that's clearly been a part of the summit. And that's my, and I know you guys and the listeners, that's the big hope here of, you know, freeing the people of North Korea. Everybody says that anybody could have done what happened last night. Um, for instance, you know, uh, they're saying Barack Obama would have done this. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I was on Martha McCallum and they said Barack Obama should get credit and people took screen caps of the faces I was making. Uh, there's a movie uh, in the early 60s, I believe, which uh, some guys, you guys might remember, called Whatever Happened to Baby Jane with Joan Crawford and, and Betty Davis. Uh-huh. And Joan Crawford says to her, 
Jane, you wouldn't be so mean to me if I wasn't in this wheelchair. And she turns to her and goes, but you are, Blanche. You are in the chair. So this idea that anyone could have had this happen, well, it didn't, did it? You know, so, I mean, the idea that President Hillary or President Jeb would be there in Singapore beggars belief to me. Right, I mean, why I, hasn't this happened before? Because, Michael, I, the, the idea is that, yeah, theoretically, a, a U.S. president could have said, I want to fly to Singapore and meet with Kim Jong-un, and probably Kim Jong-un comes. But they didn't do it because they 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 weren't able to do whatever Trump does here. Like, he obviously has some... Um, it, it, some motivation, some ability to look past these sort of traditional things that ever, right. that stopped all of these conversations in the past, and and it's it's yet to be determined whether this is going to work out as a good right. thing or a bad thing. But I don't think any other president would have tried this. They could have tried it, but I don't think they would have. I tried don't it. know if they could have. Um, they could have read Kim Jong Un as well as Donald Trump reads Kim Jong Un. I mean, it takes one to know one. Uh, we all know that Donald Trump has a massive, massive ego. Now, whether yeah. he is aware of that or not, I don't know. But you see the things in others that you have. And I can guarantee you that on the plane over, he got all kinds of advice from all kinds of people. And I can guarantee you at some point he looked at him and said, believe me, I've got it. I know this guy. And it would have been the first time that I think Donald Trump or any president would have been right to shut down all the other advisors, you know, in the end, because I think he does see whether he sees it in himself or not. He knows it. He recognizes it in him. I, I agree with that 100 percent. He's the proverbial bull in a China shop. And at the same time, sometimes that China needs smashing. Uh, no pun intended. If you look at other politicians who have gone through the ranks and have paid their dues, they're going to be beholden to the establishment and, and to the party and so on and so forth. Understandably, with Trump, he's like, yeah, I'm going to do what I want. I mean, you know, when he was on the debate stage and accused to, to Jeb's face that George W. Bush had some complicity in 9-11, this is not a typical Republican. <laughs> who's, and Ted Cruz's dad shot JFK. This right. is not someone who's exactly uh, playing with diplomatic niceties. Correct. At the same time, Kim Jong-un is a gangster regime, a murderer. So to treat him in again like you treat Angela Merkel or Theresa May or Trudeau, you can't because he's not someone who when you treat someone like that with without aggression, you're in a sense validating uh, the blood uh, that they've gained. I have to think too that 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 Trump in his business dealings all around the world has run into essentially this type of character many times, right? I mean, certainly not genocidal maniacs that he's selling real estate to, but really rich people with gigantic egos that want the, all the attention and all the best things. Those are the people he's probably dealing with on a fairly regular basis. This is certainly a, a, to a much different level, but he seems very familiar with this, this uh, character type. Kim Jong-un is the ultimate case of being born on third base and thinking you hit a triple. <laughs> there is no one literally on earth who's inherited more than him. He inherited an entire country. So yeah, if you're dealing in real estate, of course you're dealing with these rich kids who think they're brilliant and they're real estate magnets and you smile and you shake your hand and you get their property from them. I mean, this is New York real estate one-on-one. 
So I agree with, with that with that assessment completely. I mean, he's seen this song and dance many, many times, not in the sense of genocide, but certainly in the case of someone who just stumbled onto a, a phenomenally good situation for them, and Trump knows how to exploit that for his own benefit. I think it's interesting that he is the third generation. And if you if you study generational wealth, it is almost always the third generation that loses it. Uh, the 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 son, uh, you know, or the second generation, uh, the first generation builds it. The second generation uh, tries to you know maintain it, but they're you know they're not builders. And then the third generation just expects it and doesn't know necessarily what it takes or took to make it. And they usually squander it. Is this pattern, do you think this pattern is going to repeat here? I I certainly hope so. And until you just said that, I didn't make a realization of the irony here, which is one of North Korea's uh, rules is that of the great leader Kim Il-sung, where he says class enemies must be exterminated to three generations. And that... Many people don't know this. In North Korea, when someone is punished, they punish three generations of your family. Right. They don't just punish you. So it would be great if this was the third, gen- third and last generation of this family uh, that had power in this uh, horrible nation. Yeah. Michael, thank you so much. Uh, wait, one more thing. Is there anything that you think people are missing on this that we haven't covered? Yeah, if you are more uh, excited that Trump fail than hope that North Korea becomes peacefully liberated there's something fundamentally wrong with you mm. thanks yeah. a lot michael appreciate it it's a great point it is all right many people have a hard time picturing how to update their home or what their home would look like with new blinds or new window coverings so they usually don't even try to make a simple improvement that can have a dramatic effect on your home and really just changing the window treatments really does change so Blinds.com has put together a new cool section on the site that you can see before and after pictures. So you can see what did the room look like before? What does it look like now? And you can see the difference. Blinds.com, the the easiest way to begin to reimagine your home. Brand new custom blinds from Blinds.com will make it feel like you've changed everything in your home without a big expense. And they will guide you through the entire entire measure and, and install Free. You get free samples, free shipping, free design consultation, all of it. Blinds.com, the number one online retailer for custom window coverings for many reasons. And now, through June 14th, if you buy one, 60% site-wide, 60% off site-wide when you use Blinds.com slash Beck. Buy one and get 60% off everything else site-wide. Blinds.com slash Beck. That's blinds.com slash Beck. Rules and restrictions do apply. Glenn Beck. Well, there's a, there's one thing that I, I don't understand um, in any way, shape, or form. And that is Kim Jong-un brought his own toilet. You don't. Uh, you don't understand that. No, I... <laughs> Unbelievable. I mean, I, of course, I travel with my own toilet, but... I mean, who doesn't? Who doesn't? Right. right. Uh, he's a little careful. He's a careful guy. Um, he's worried about... He brought his own uh, toilet to, quote, deny determined sewer divers insights into the Supreme Leader's stools. Could... I? We should have asked Michael this. Yeah. Because I believe mm-hmm. that 
it used to be believed that his father or grandfather didn't go to the bathroom. <laughs> I think he might be right on that. Yeah. yeah. I think he was, mm. it, it was believed that he never had to go to the bathroom. Well, he's the third in the series, and usually the third one in the series isn't that good. <laughs> right. Um, it, it's not unusual for him to travel with his own toilet. He, when he went to South Korea earlier uh, in April, he brought his own toilet. He also brought his own pens and pencils to the meeting, and his staff wiped off anything he touched so he wouldn't even leave a fingerprint. He takes similar precautions when he travels inside North Korea. However, this is, this is kind of interesting. The North Koreans' leaders, uh, his, uh, his concern might have historical precedent. 2016, a former Soviet agent said that while doing research in the archives for the Russian secret services, he found evidence that the secret police in the 1940s under Joseph Stalin analyzed excrement of foreign leaders, including, including Mao, as part of its effort to construct psychological portraits. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So he's, I mean, wow. it's not just a crazy man. No. It's a guy who studied communist <laughs> dictatorships and what they do. Glenn Beck. Ten miles from the White House at William Wirt Middle School. It's in Riverdale, Maryland. The MS-13 gang runs like a pack of wild people. Dare I say animals. Treating the middle school like it's a... Well, I don't want to say a... I should say a Salvadorian prison. Recent article in the Washington Post focuses on the growing presence of MS-13 gang at the school where gang-related fights happen nearly daily now. The overwhelmingly Hispanic school in Prince George's County throw gang signs, sell drugs draw gang graffiti and aggressively recruit students recently arrived from Central America, according to more than two dozen teachers, parents, and students. Most of those interviewed asked not to be identified for fear of losing their job or being targeted by MS-13. One eighth grade. One eighth grade. Think of this. Eighth grade. One eighth grader told the paper, that last fall, she was raped by MS-13 members at her school and that she was so fearful of the repercussions that she never reported the incident. We now have two or three fights per day, one instructor told the Washington Post. At this point, it's completely out of control. We're talking about middle school. As of May 1st, the Prince George's County Police have been called to the school 74 times resulting uh, in at least five arrests. The teachers live in fear, unsure of what outbreak in, or violence is going to happen next. One teacher described the school's administrator's approach to the gang violence as, don't ask, don't talk about it. And without metal detectors, teachers, like the students, live in fear of what awaits them next. Teachers feel threatened but aren't backed up. Students feel threatened and aren't protected. That's according to one educator. The school is a ticking time bomb. It's Tuesday, June 12th. You're listening to the Glenn Beck Program. Started reading a uh, great book last night, um, released by uh, a friend of mine, Mike Broomhead. If you're going to be dumb, you better be tough. Lessons from my life with the Bulls, protesters, and politicians. Mike Broomhead, welcome to the program. How are you? 
I'm doing well, Glenn. How are you? Very good. We've known each other for a very long time, and um, and I now know why we get along so well. Our lives run very parallel uh, in many ways. You were a bull rider. <laughs> no, okay. I mean the I mean the you know dumb part. Yeah, <laughs> and the and My the used to say that to me growing up. Yeah, exactly. and, and one of the, the most consistent phrases. What was that? That was one of the most consistent things my mother said to me growing up, is if you're going to be dumb, you better be tough, because I was very often both. So I, I, what I didn't realize is that you left home at 15 years old, lived on your own. Um, you had an alcoholic father. Um, you know, you were a military guy, bull rider, contractor. You've led a really tough life, um, which I think gives you different kind of insight onto you know what the average person might be thinking uh, about things so can i can i ask you about two things what do you think the average person thinks about what happened yesterday with uh, north korea i think the average person is impressed that an american president was able to get kim jong un to sit down at the table i don't think the, the depth of politics, whether it was the agreement Bill Clinton signed in 94 or candidate Obama saying he would sit down with him matters to the average person. The average person looks at a year and a half ago, this person was firing ICBMs over Japan and threatening America, saying he was going to kill us. And a year and a half later, he signed an agreement agreeing to denuclearize. I think the average person just is surprised in the change in North Korea. So one more question on, on just the way things are handled. Dennis Rodman was on TV last night and he was crying and he was like, I saw this coming and nobody would listen to me. I mean, this this guy will make peace. And I actually kind of felt, I mean, a little bit. I felt kind of bad uh, for Dennis Rodman. Not that I think he got that and was the reason why he went over, per se, but he may have played a role in any kind of peace that may come our way. Yeah, but I, I, I don't know that that was the intent of having Dennis Rodman on television. I think that might have been the lack of seriousness that we're going to see from some of the cable news networks and just how significant this was. Instead of having a foreign policy expert on, someone that's been invested in studying the North Koreans since the deal was made in 94 and having somebody to talk about the ultimate significance, you know, and then no offense to Dennis Rodman, but he's wearing a pot.com T-shirt. I know. And, crying on, and I think maybe that was just... What turned out to be, I, like you, was sympathetic to Dennis Rodman, but I think they put him on there because they don't take this seriously. So, Mike, what is happening? What, what do you foresee? Um, you know, you. I think the average person feels used and abused. It's why, they're, it's why we're all lashing out. Um, we feel like nobody's listening to us. So what's on the horizon? What, what's coming our way with media and... And socially. Well, as, as it's interesting. I, one of the things I've learned the most and I wrote about in the book is taking advice from good people. And, you know, when I learned to ride bulls, I learned from a guy that was a world champion. I work out in the gym with a guy that was a professional bodybuilder. And credit to you that when I, I remember the first conversation I had with you, I said, I'm in way over my head. <laughs> and, and you helped me along because I wanted to go to somebody that is one of the best that's ever done it. And I think that what lies ahead is people are seeking out truth-tellers. It, it's not so much about hearing what they want to hear. They want to hear the truth. And I think that they know the truth when they hear it, and they know they're being lied to by people with a political agenda. 
And so I think in the future, people are going to be seeking out the truth as opposed to just the things they want to hear. So let me ask you this. People say that, you know, the Donald Trump people are so stupid they don't hear the truth. Um, I think they do. I just don't think that they think the truth on the other side is any more truthful. And so they have to pick between these two and they just believe better shot with him than doing it the way we've always done it. Would you agree with that or not? No, I think that the truth is just that. It's the truth. If you and I are driving a car and you say we have to go left and I say we have to go right, we both believe it is our truth, but only one of us can be right. And in the end, one of us is going to be wrong. And we have to admit when we've been wrong, and we've got to seek out what the truth is. We both want to get to the same place. But one of us is wrong about which direction to go. And I think what people are seeking now is they realize when you watch some of the cable news networks with some of the people that have been outed by telling overtly wrong stories, you know, when the president was just missed, when his words were taken out of context and it made him sound like he called illegal immigrants animals, that's just a mischaracterization. I think people are tired of that. They'll be critical of Donald Trump when it's deserved, but they want to know what's really going on and let them decide the good and the bad of it. And I think that's what they're seeking out. To me, Well, I can only speak for myself and what I think my audience wants. Just tell us the truth. We will figure out the good and bad in all of it. Um, uh, you know, I'm writing a book right now called um, uh, uh, Addicted to Outrage. And it is really my understanding of what's happening to us uh, because I think, I think people are just, I think we're addicted now to just getting online and seeing something that pisses us off. And we're just, we're just getting this ad- adrenaline and cortisol hit, uh, especially if we respond in social media and, and say nasty things. Um, you talk about your dad. I mean, I was, I was reading last night. I mean, my dad didn't seem like a, a very nice guy, uh, an alcoholic, and you hold him responsible, but not responsible for your life in any way. Right. Absolutely. And, and you know, it's funny that I, a, lot of the, a lot of the things that I write about in the book are self-inflicted. The fact that I was on my own, kind of on my own at 15, and then, you know, the work I've worked my entire life, I, I, I regret now not getting a college education. Now that degree, that, you know, to have the, the discipline to do the co- coursework, uh, that haunts me. I wish I had done those things. Those were self-inflicted. I was so angry at the world. I was lashing out in my own way. But that's on me. That's not on anybody else. So what did you learn from your alcoholic dad that is applicable today? I think that uh, whatever's going on around us, we have the ability. We have, I think we have the responsibility to live a life that is still good. We, all of us have it in us. Uh, you know, we, it's not where you, it's all the, the cliche, it's not where you start, it's where you finish. I had people around me that loved me. I have my brothers, um, the one that's surviving and, and is my true hero. He's a police officer. He is my true hero in life. Um, there are people in my life like you. There are people in my life that have looked out for me in times when I had very difficult times going on. My mother is a saint as far as I'm concerned. And instead of focusing on those people, I chose to focus on the anger. I would say what I learned the most from my father was, in spite of what's going on around you, there is good that you can reach for if you just want to reach for the good. You see, your mom's a hero, but you didn't feel that way early on. Oh, you know, early on, my mom got smarter the older I got. You know, early on, my mom and I, uh, you know, when I was a teenager, when my father left, I was just the classic rebellious teenager. And... Mm -hmm was out on my own and out all night, and she was telling me to go to school, and I didn't want to go to school. 
So she was the disciplinarian, and I just didn't like it. But uh, I, I don't know that I'll ever live long enough to apologize to her enough for what a great person, what a great influence she's been in my life. Uh, talking to Mike Broomhead, author of a book just released today, If You're Going to Be Dumb, You Better Be Tough, Lessons from My Life with Bulls, Protesters, and, uh, and Politicians. You say that uh, everybody has three things to offer the world. What are they? Money, talent, and time. What? Money, talent, and time. And all of it to differing degrees at different times in our lives. We have three things to offer the world, and we decide how we're going to give of those three things. And how does that apply to me or everyday life or you or anybody? Yeah, well, listen, it's funny because when I wrote that down, you were the example that I talked about when we wrote this because um, I've been with you. I was, one of the things I still talk about in the air is that trip we took down to McAllen, Texas, where the people, your audience, gave so richly uh, mm. to help that humanitarian effort. And I look at that, and there are times in my life where I used to complain about my busy schedule until I traveled with you. I'll never complain again. <laughs> but, you know, here I am at a time in my life where I've never been as busy, so time is very valuable to me but I'm also making more money than I made before in my life, so it's different now. I have the ability to give more money, but I wish I had more time to give. There were times in my life where I had time to give where I wish I had more money. And the talent that I have, my ability to go and MC for uh, the military, you know, the Marine Corps Scholarship Foundation Gala, or the things I do locally in Arizona, um, I will never, I'll never take money for those things because it's my opportunity to give back. And I think we have to gauge where our talents lie, where our, how much money we can give. Um, you know, if you don't have a lot, don't give a lot, but we all can give something. And the feeling you get from giving can't be replaced. And sometimes the problems you're facing seem to be minimal when you look at the problems of others. And that's one of the biggest lessons I've learned is you may not always have a lot to give, but you have something to give. And I, I hope that I balance that well enough with those three things. That's really something I worry about sometimes, that I'm not doing enough with those three things. I'll tell you, Mike, when we were down in McAllen and we, we did that thing on the border, it was not popular. Um, and we came back, if you remember right, and we were talking about how they were separating the kids. You know, they were, they were separating, you know, children from their brothers and sisters and keeping them in cages. And no one would listen to us. When you saw the tweets come out a couple of uh, couple of weeks ago, where the left was saying, "Look at how Donald Trump is treating," and they turned out to be the pictures that came out right after we were there. How'd you feel? Well, it came out in Arizona Republic story, so it was a local story too. Um, I have pictures on my phone still, and I don't know if you remember this moment, but I remember it forever. They were giving us a tour of that facility. And we went into what was like an army tent, and there was a, we pulled the curtain back, and there was a little boy that couldn't have been more than seven years old sitting on a cot it. holding a doll, like a Woody Story doll that someone had given him. And that's what they explained to us. This is usually where the kids break down because they're in such commotion from when they bring them over and clean them up and give them clothes and feed them and medically screen them. There's so much going on. It's when they're in solitude that they begin to realize they're all alone. And that still haunts me that we're a part of something so politically divided that allows for things like this to happen. These are people. These are children. And we will fight the political battles and not look at the human element, and which was such an eye-opening weekend to spend that time there. I'll never forget it. And I'm in a border state just like you are. It's a big issue for us, but we can never forget the human element of that. Mike Broomhead, thank you so much. Um, author of the new book, um it's released today if you're gonna be dumb you better be tough 
Uh, started reading it last night. Really good read. Really well done, Mike. You should be proud Thank of this book. Are. Very good. Thank, Thank you so much. He's one of the good guys. And one of the guys that I know when I'm off track because he's just, he hasn't forgotten where he's come from at all. Liberty Safe continues to do just amazing things. They're, they're making the best built safes uh, in the world right here in America. And they're now making it really easy to own one. Liberty Safe, you can buy a Liberty Safe right now at a great price and receive 12 months interest free payments with zero down and zero APR. And they even offer Liberty Safes for as low as $20 a month. If you've been thinking about buying a Liberty Safe, now is the time. Peace of mind, lifetime warranty, in home delivery service that's unmatched in the industry. Liberty Safe, they say the number one complaint. And I believe this to be true. I should have brought a bigger one. You'd have no idea how much you have that when you finally do put a safe in your house, you're like, I can't believe how much stuff is really important. That just could have burned up or whatever. Liberty safe. Have it installed in your home now with 12 months interest-free payments for as low as $20 a month on approved credit. You need to act now. Protect what you value most. Your valuables are always protected with a Liberty Safe. LibertySafe.com. The best built safes on the planet. LibertySafe.com. Looking for a great Father's Day present? Then bring the whole family to the Rights and Responsibilities Exhibition presented by the Mercury Museum. Take a glimpse of what the world was like before men had rights and tyrants rule. Join us Father's Day weekend, June 15th through the 17th, here at Mercury Studios in Dallas. Get your tickets at mercuryone.org slash museum 2018. That is this weekend, and we can't wait to see you. This, this, I mean, I don't know how we're going to get it all done. Everybody's working around the clock uh, to get it all done. Today on television, I'm going to use a few of the documents uh, that we you'll be able to see um, based on just on Abraham Lincoln Uh Tonight, we're going to expose him for who he really was, you know, because he's not the guy that you read about in history books. Everybody says, oh, he didn't care about the slaves. He didn't care about black people Uh, or he never really read the Bible and wasn't really a religious guy. Yeah, well, we're going to expose him for who he really is because he's none of those things. We expose him. Abraham Lincoln. Uh, in his own handwriting tonight on The Blaze and all this weekend as part of our Rights and Responsibilities pop-up museum here at uh, the Mercury Studios. If you don't have tickets yet, please grab your tickets. They're on sale now. You can get private tours from me and, and uh, Stu and everybody else that works here. David Barton is going to be giving private tours. Also, I think it's on Thursday. Is it Thursday or Friday? Do you know? Friday. Friday night. Uh, we're having a, a special, uh, a, a, let me get it here because I get it right. It is dinner and a movie. Um, Friday night, a special dinner and a movie with Glenn Beck and David Barton and everybody else. And a, screaming, a screening of Operation Toussaint, which is a documentary film about the work that Underground Railroad has done freeing the slaves. I've seen this movie. Have you seen it yet? No. It's you know, sometimes, you know, people make movies and you're like, okay, no, 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 no. This director is world class. 
it you it, this is unbelievable all of the all of the footage from the beginning of the operations uh to, to the idea of of freeing slaves all the way through trying to save this one kid and what's happened all the way through it's an unbelievable film Anyway, if you would like to go to the special dinner, uh, you can do that an evening with Operation Underground Railroad, uh, the movie and dinner and everything else. It is pricey, but all of the proceeds uh, do go to uh, Mercury One and uh, and freeing more slaves in the Middle East and all around the world. Uh, Okay, you started the hour talking about the border and MS-13. Yeah. Uh, Dangerous criminal gang. Um, animals overblown glenn as you've seen i mean when when the president called them animals we all heard from the press about how no no, we're all humans don't dehumanize people no they are animals but they're more like soft bunny rabbits (laughs) and we were told over and over again that Look, MS-13, yes, it's a real thing. Yeah. But it's not that big of a deal. Uh And Donald Trump overblows it because he doesn't like Hispanics. Right. Uh, They killed 207 people since 2012. Amount of people killed in school shootings, 41. About over four times as many people killed by MS-13 than school shootings. Why do you hate Hispanics so much? I don't say that at all. Why do you hate Hispanics so much? A friend of mine bought a house, uh, really excited to buy it, got a really good deal on it. And about a week after they moved in, uh, an incredible amount of construction began all around them. It was construction that had been planned for a long time and was sort of public knowledge in the town. But, you know, coming from out of town, they didn't know this. And the real estate agent apparently didn't know it either. And you need someone who's connected to the community, who knows the ins and outs of what's going on. And, you know, I mean, construction eventually is over, but it's a real hassle for multiple years for these people. And, you know, it was a bad experience. You need a real estate agent you can trust. That's why Glenn Beck and his wife, Tanya, started the company realestateagentsitrust.com. It's a network of over 1,200 agents all over America that are qualified by Glenn's team. Their experience, their marketing plans, their character, and the results they get for their clients are the barometers they use to make sure you get a good real estate agent. If you need to sell a house fast and for the most money, or if you're looking to buy, go to realestateagentsitrust.com. It's realestateagentsitrust.com. Well, continuing your pattern of lies, uh, you... (laughs) Practically South Korea or North Korea. There you go. Uh, You had mentioned we were doing a little expose on Abraham Lincoln. To show you what kind of man he really was. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now we're going with a a founder this time with Thomas Paine is tonight exposing Thomas Paine. Lincoln's tomorrow? (laughs) Lincoln tomorrow. By the way, the uh, exposing here turns out pretty well for these guys. Yeah, it really Uh, does. It really does. It does. You know who it doesn't turn, uh, turn out well for? Uh, the history professors. Yeah, it really doesn't. Well, you know, you only have it? the documents in their own handwriting. So. I know it's. Is this not one of the most amazing things that we've ever? I mean, we've done some really amazing things. We've witnessed, seen, talked to amazing people. I really believe these three days, uh, uh you know, of exposing first of all Thomas Jefferson last night on the TV show. If you missed it, you've gotta see it it's incredible because it's incredible exact opposite of what you've been told for so many years like like not even there's no way to even say well i can see how they suck there's no way no over and over again in fact it's not only does thomas jefferson dislike slavery he has a visceral hatred for it it's like the main reason he wants to break away from england right and (laughs) and and uh, you know i did some more reading after we were off the air on this Mm -hmm. He wrote about that extensively. Mm. 
about how angry he was. And he even said, you know, it's only those two states. But the rest of the people were weasels. They didn't want to do it because they were afraid. I mean, it was, he turns out to be the real liberator. And he's the one held up as the worst slave owner of them all. It's crazy. So that was last night. Tonight is Thomas Paine. What's amazing to me is holding these documents written in their own hand. Now, they say Thomas Paine was an atheist. No, no, he wasn't. No, he wasn't. He wasn't a Christian, but he wrote The Age of Reason. Did, if you learned about The Age of Reason that Thomas Paine was an atheist, etc., etc., did you ever hear why he wrote Age of Reason? When you read why he wrote it, uh, it kind of takes on a whole different purpose. In fact, completely dismantles his his M.O. of he was an atheist. No, no, he wasn't. And I think you're going to like him even more uh, when you hear his reason. Anyway, that's tonight. And by the way, all of these documents, all in their own handwriting, uh, they're going to be seen, uh, some of them for the first time in a very long time, uh, at the Mercury Museum this weekend. Grab your tickets now online at mercuryone.org slash museum2018. Grab your tickets and we'll see you here this weekend. You know, one of the other things that we're so bad at history that we... We have no idea about Korea. We have no idea North and South Korea and what they've been going through and what they really are like. Oh, anybody could have had a meeting. Really? Let me take you back in history and show you where we were not too long ago. It was bitterly cold. But the men of Unit 124 had been trained to ignore the pain, and they were good at it. One of their exercises had been to run four miles in sub-zero temperatures, after all. With little regard to their frozen limbs, the men snuck past the U.S. guards along one of the most heavily guarded borders on Earth and into South Korea. After traversing rugged mountainsides undetected, they set up camp in a forested area roughly 30 miles from Seoul. Their mission was direct and clear. Kill the South Korean president. The men thought that they were sufficiently isolated until they heard four frantic voices. Four brothers were prowling around for firewood and they found themselves in absolutely the wrong place at absolutely the wrong time. The commandos considered their options. They didn't kill the four brothers, partly because the frozen ground would have been digging their graves an arduous task. Instead, they lectured the brothers on the merits of communism. When the brothers feigned allegiance to North Korea, the commandos let them go. They promptly alerted police. By the time police and military had begun hunting for them, Unit 124 had already vanished. They were able to evade capture for two days, and on January 21st, 1968, they reached the home of the president, the Blue House. 
about 10 p.m. wearing South Korean military garb. The men outfoxed the security officers guarding the building. They were within 100 yards of the Blue House when a sentry finally spotted them. The palace grounds erupted in gunfire. The commandos fled in all directions, chased by soldiers. The fight bled into the streets of Seoul, and at the end of the night, over two dozen South Koreans died, including civilians. The South Korean army hunted the men for three days, killing off as many as they could. In total, 29 of the unit's 31 soldiers were killed. The South Korean president, understandably, was furious, and it was time to retaliate. Enter our story. South Korean Unit 684. In response to the assassination attempt, the South Korean government organized Unit 684, and the men were advised to kill the leader of North Korea. Unit 684 was intentionally modeled after Unit 124, the North Korean assassination squad. That squad had 31 members, and so did Unit 684. They were trained to survive a little frostbite here and there because nothing could stop them from their assassination mission. But unlike the decorated soldiers of the North Korean squad, the men of Unit 684 had little to no military experience. Some sources claim that the men were plucked from death row and offered a chance at redemption. Others claim that the men were vagrants and acrobats. One of the guards described the men as, quote, the kind who would get into street fights a lot, end quote. The training regimen was outlandishly cruel, and seven men died, at least one from just sheer exhaustion. Four of them attempted to escape the island they were on because they were frustrated with the beatings, the killings, and the poor conditions in the unit, and apparently wanted to alert authorities to their plight. All four were beaten to death. Meanwhile, unbeknownst to the men, tensions between the Koreas had been easing. By 1971, a mutual frustration with the U.S. brought warming relations between the Koreas. So, Unit 684 was rendered useless. Well, these men were not happy. Not happy at all that the mission they had trained for for over three years had suddenly been canceled. They still wanted blood, but now they just didn't care whose blood it was. At 6 a.m. the next morning, the recruits ventured out into the sable black morning of winter under a waxing crescent. They murdered the first trainer while he was asleep with a swift hammer to the skull. Next, they stole guns and ammo and using their perfected skills, started slaughtering the trainers, most of whom were still drunk or hung over from the night before. Total, the recruits killed 18 guards. Only six survived. Satisfied with their bloodthirst, Unit 684 cleaned the blood from their bodies and carefully dressed in their immaculate uniforms because they were going home. They loaded up a stolen bus with a cachet, machine guns, knives, and grenades, and made their way towards South Seoul. The commandos could almost see their houses when they were met by a police blockade. Trapped on the bus, it was hopeless. But giving up was not an option for Unit 684. 
Instead, the men clenched grenades and, in unison, yanked the pins. The blast turned the bus's windows into flying specks, and the stench was nauseating, especially in the heat. The men were scattered in bits and pieces everywhere. Somehow or another, four of the men still survived, but not for long. Military police yanked them off the bus on stretchers and then imprisoned them. They were executed by firing squad and then buried secretly in the hills outside of Seoul. Their bodies have never been found. In fact, South Korea only recently acknowledged Unit 684's existence. In 2010, the Seoul Central District Court ruled that the family of Unit 684's recruits were entitled to hundreds of thousands of dollars in damages. North Korea usually comes to mind when we think of a country killing its own citizens. But the Shilmido uprising is an exception. In the Iliad, Homer depicts Ares, the god of war, as a curse on mankind, a kind of supernatural serial killer. In general, the Greeks loathed Ares, often depicting him as a whiny, cowardly, and strange beast. The Romans, however, fawned over Mars, the Roman incarnation of the god of war, majestic, smooth, invincible, often clad in gilded armor as he led men into the battlefield, his very presence making it a field of renown. The story of Unit 684 contains both versions of the mythical god of war. From one angle, the squabbling, bloated, diplomatic mechanisms of war directly cause the death of untold numbers of men and women. War made the Koreas petty. They schemed, and in their cowardice, both sides plotted assassins, only to recoil at the last moment. From the other angle, heroism came to life through a band of criminals and misfits, and however misguided, cast a gleaming light over the battlefield as they died. Yet in reality, neither version leaves any survivors. By the way, you can share that uh, story. It'll be uh, posted at glenbeck.com, and uh, we'll try to send it out on our newsletter or at theblaze.com as well. Share it. It's a story that will have you on Google, and you are going to go down a wormhole. You're not going to believe half of that story. It's unbelievable. According to Redfin, homes are now selling faster than ever. At least they were in April 2018, and it doesn't seem to have any stop to it. Prices rose 7.6% to a new median high of $302,000. Now, this is the first time that uh, the median house price is, uh, is over the $300,000 mark in America. For most Americans, our homes are our biggest uh, investments. This is why when you need to sell it, you need somebody that is going to sell it fast and for the most amount of money. It makes a huge difference on who you have as a real estate agent. Now, 
realestateagentsitrust.com has over a thousand agents all over america they're just like you they want a square deal you're going to really like them they all are listeners to the program they've all been hand vetted uh and 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 really vetted for their knowledge their expertise their trustworthiness do they know the market that they're serving these are the people that are going to sell your home on time and for the most amount of money or if you're looking for a new home they're going to help you buy one realestateagentsitrust.com that's realestateagentsitrust.com just looking at uh, ben shapiro opinion on uh what happened uh yesterday and and even um who was it uh that said that he should be we would be crying for impeachment if this was obama it was Eric Erickson. Eric Erickson. I, I was thinking about this a little bit uh, on the drive-in today in that we start with something that we can all absolutely 100% agree on in this audience at least. That if Barack Obama did exactly what Donald Trump did, the media and the left would be praising it. Yes. Uh, can we all agree that we 100%, all agree. 100% they would be absolutely 100%. in favor of it and praising it endlessly? 100%. I think, however, when you say that, and it's uh, that's very true, mm-hmm. you have to also ask yourself the same question. We would be pummeling him. I, I I do, and I honestly now, like I say this as an admission. I honestly think I probably would be uh, r- really pissed off right. at, at, so, at Barack Obama if he did exactly. The I've same really thing. thought about this a lot because I don't like to be inconsistent, and I think you're right. I think we yeah. would have been uh, very upset. However. I really, truly believe it's because it's the same thing with executive orders. Notice nobody on the left had a problem with a single executive order. Yeah. Now they're all up in arms about anything this president does. The Constitution. Excuse me? Um, why is that? Because they trusted the last president. They trust their guy. Right. They don't trust the other. Same with us. We didn't trust the other side, but we trust our guy. And so we, we make these exceptions. Well, that doesn't make any sense. That's not reason. That's not reason. That's team sports. And this one is pr- pretty provable in that, you know, Barack, we beat up Barack Obama on, on just his claim that he would talk to dictators. But I think, and I know you just don't the agree. claim of speaking. I know. I know you don't agree with me on this. But I really, truly believe it's because half of the country saw Barack Obama as somebody who did not like America. Didn't like America. Yeah, no, Didn't, I, you know, I do agree with that. Wants yeah. to fundamentally transform right, right. it. Exactly. Um, doesn't like it. Thinks that we were the aggressors of the world. Thinks that we've done all these horrible things. That, that group of people... They don't feel that way about Donald Trump. They don't feel that he hates America, that he, you know, thinks that we're the horrible aggressors throughout history that needs to be corrected. To me, that's the biggest difference. Glenn, back. Well, it's been years since you've exercised, actually exercised, your constitutional right to vote. Well, many, many people have done this, especially in Ohio. So the question is, does the state have the right to clear your name from its voter registration roll because you haven't voted in years? 
According to the Supreme Court in a 5-4 decision yesterday, the answer is yes. Five conservative-leaning judges on the court ruled in this case that Ohio's practice of purging infrequent voters does not violate federal law. Ohio says the policy is needed to keep the voting rolls current by removing people who have died or moved away. Now, that makes total sense. But how does the left view this? The same way the left usually sees things, uh, you know, in American life now through the outrage lens of minority oppression. Sonia Sotomayor said the ruling endorses disenfranchisement of minority and low income Americans. How? 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 Top Democrats say this decision will give a boost to Republican voter suppression efforts. Again, how? Democrats who know their own history will remember that the Democratic Party invented voter suppression after the Civil War with the KKK, when the Klan was roaming the South, intimidating, attacking, and frequently killing black voters. The Ohio policy is not that. It's not harsh. Here's what it is. If you don't vote for two years, you get a registration confirmation notice in the mail. Then if you don't reply to the notice and you still don't vote four years in a row, then you're purged for the system. You have a six-year window to make sure that your registration is current or just show up to vote. In many parts of the world, that would be considered pretty generous. Now, clearly more people need to vote in Ohio. And if Ohio has this problem, you can pretty much bet every other state has it as well. We need and must have elections that have integrity. Yet for some reason, and I think we all know why, the left just can't take that. They can't take voter ID laws, which say that, you know, they target minorities. Why? Because they say you have to have an ID. The poor don't have access to ID. Really? These kinds of laws are also unfairly targeting dead people. See, that's the real problem here. Let's face it. (sighs) Dead people are still people. And, you know, one party has been has been known to really court that dead, that dead voter for a very, very long time. It's Tuesday, June 12th. You're listening to the Glenn Beck program. Dinesh D'Souza has a new movie out. Death of a Nation. Can we save America a second time? It's in theaters Friday, August 3rd. You can find out about it at uh, deathofanationmovie.com. Dinesh, welcome to the program. Glenn, great to be on the show as always. Thank you. So first of all, let's let's get your your thoughts on what happened in North Korea uh, last night or Singapore. Glenn, I think I I, I think it's it's an historic um, opening. Uh, It opens the possibility of of a thaw. Now, these opportunities uh, are very rare. The last time it happened was Gorbachev, uh, the Soviet Union, the evil empire. And then suddenly they appointed a leader who seemed open to being influenced and to changing. 
Uh, and we saw the remarkable succession of events. It really began with the Intermediate Nuclear Forces Treaty in 1987, but then later the whole dissolution of the Soviet regime and so on, and ultimately Gorbachev himself coming to Reagan's funeral and kissing mm-hmm. his casket. Mm-hmm. So now these historical opportunities are sometimes the result of luck, but it takes a leader to seize the moment, to be able to take advantage of the luck, uh, to be able to make the most of it, And I think with Trump, we're seeing, you know, a contrast from Obama's kind of lead from behind. Trump is like in front of it. He's grabbing the bull by the horns. He's very impressive. So so you're because you're a really logical guy. Help solve two things for the media mainly and some people who are having a problem with this. First, what's the difference between what he just did and what Obama did with Cuba? Well, the difference is this. Um, Well, first of all, there is an old joke that goes, uh, what do you call um, a dictator who has nuclear weapons? And the punchline is, sir. Uh, The point being that once a dictator gets his hands on nukes, he becomes um, exponentially more dangerous than a routine garden variety dictator. So in other words, peace in the Korean um, peninsula is not ultimately ideological. It's ultimately about uh, getting rid of these nukes and just having, you know, a, a sort of modus vivendi where we can kind of all inhabit this planet together. That's the key difference. Uh, in the case of Cuba, Obama seems to have had an ideological affinity for Cuba. Uh, he didn't like Cuba being sort of ostracized mm-hmm. in the community of nations. None of that is an issue here. No one thinks that Trump secretly admires North Korean society. We're simply trying to, to, to keep a very bad guy from having right. nuclear uh, guns in his holster. Okay, so he, I agree with you 100%. Here is where um, uh, some will have issue. Uh, South Korea was a nuclear power. Uh, or nor- uh, Sorry, North Korea had, was a nuclear power in 2006. Obama, when he was running the first time, he said, I'll meet with him. Why not meet with him? We've got to make sure that, you know, this doesn't happen. And all of us, you know, just pilloried him for that. What's the difference there? Well, the difference there is, uh, you know, I think at the end of the day, uh, it's something of a paradox of American leadership that it takes a Nixon to go to China. It takes a Reagan uh, to deal with Gorbachev. Uh, if the Democrats had been dealing with Gorbachev, it would have been interpreted as weakness. And in fact, it probably because it would be weakness. But with Reagan, you remember that in the first term, Reagan was very tough on the Soviets. Yeah. Massive military buildup, mm-hmm. uh, MX missiles, strategic defense, uh, you know, the supporting of insurgencies around the world. It mm-hmm. was only in the second term that Reagan sort of pivoted and said, OK, now that you guys are willing to bend, Uh, I'll bend with you to make this happen. I think that's what we're seeing here. Notice that in miniature, it replicates what happened here. Trump begins by blasting North Korea, threatening to take them off the map, claiming he has bigger nuclear weapons than they do. And then later he bends when he sees that there is an opening and an opening that he can take advantage of. So Dinesh switched subjects a couple of weeks ago. By the way, we're talking to Dinesh D'Souza. He's got a new movie coming out, Death of a Nation. Can we save America a second time? It opens in theaters Friday, August 3rd, deathofanationmovie.com. A couple of weeks ago, you were pardoned by the president of the United States. A, did you know that was coming? And how did that come about? Well, 
My wife and I had dinner with Senator Ted Cruz a month earlier, and Senator Cruz said, uh, I am going to ask President Trump directly to pardon you. Um, and uh, but I was not very optimistic because I thought, well, you ran against the guy and there was a lot of there was some bad blood. So I don't know if this is going to work. But Cruz called me a couple of weeks later and said, I spoke to the president and he's very receptive. But there's a legal review. It's a complicated process. Do not breathe a word of this until you get the official call from the White House. And then last week, Glenn, wow, I'm in my office working and the call came. The White House operator called the line for the president of the United States. What is that like to be pardoned? It's huge. I mean, you know, there are all kinds of small benefits of it. I don't have to ask a judge for permission to travel. I don't have a probation officer who, like, makes me fill out forms every week and comes to visit my house. Uh, I can vote again. I can own a firearm if I want to. But I think most importantly, it lifts the felon um, label from my neck, which the left had been sort of, you know, accusing me of. And more importantly, it's kind of a big up yours to Obama. I mean, uh, Trump has been erasing Obama's legacy across the board, and now even this little smudge has been taken away. So what do you think about, uh, because I am, I am so for the use of, I mean, he has a constitutional right to do this any day, all day, every day. Um, and I'm for it if we're not becoming a country that can, if you know somebody, you can get a special favor. He, he, is, he is starting to, you know, apparently he's got thousands of people he wants to, to pardon. And I understand that Jared is the one that's actually kind of behind this, and they're working on prison reform and sentence reform. Uh, do you think the president should also... Make sure that anybody that was in your situation, that this just doesn't happen again? Well, I think in my case, um, the truth of it is that there is nobody who's in my situation for the reason that I was, in fact, singled out. Look, uh, there is no case in American history of a guy who gave 20 grand over the campaign finance limit without corruption. In other words, without trying to buy a favor or get a tax break or some quid pro quo. There's no other example of somebody who got locked up for doing that. They don't even prosecute those cases. Uh, Look at Rosie. She just admitted, Rosie O'Donnell did, to exceeding the campaign finance law five times in five different jurisdictions. So theoretically, there are and she really knew. She knew it. Did that bother you at all? Well, the reason she knew it is, we, is because she used four different spellings of her name right. and five different ad- addresses. So clearly she was, you know, but look, I think the reason that this crime is not prosecuted typically, or, or in other words, is treated as a slap on the wrist and a fine, is that again, even with Rosie, she's not trying to get anything out of it. She's just you know, motivated by hatred of Trump and leftist enthusiasm, and she wants to defeat Roy Moore in Alabama. So she goes over the limit. But again, typically these crimes are basically, they look the other way. Um, But in my case, you know, it took some very powerful people, Obama, Holder, Preet Bharara, to get me, and naturally it required some powerful people to get me off. Dinesh, a lot of people have were critical of Trump if they were uh, on your pardon, saying that because you're a political ally, that's why he pardoned you. But in reality, yeah. these these laws are, to, in my eye, 
blatantly unconstitutional. I mean, it completely against the First Amendment. It really what the First Amendment was designed to do was be able to speak your mind politically and to use your money however you want to use your money. And so I think if he looks at this as not just Dinesh D'Souza as an ally, but this is an unconstitutional law and my pardon power is well used to overturn convictions in an unconstitutional law. Is that how you think he looked at it? Well, I think he looked at it not even like that, but I think he looked at it like, look, we have seen a kind of gangsterization of the government under Obama, the deployment of the weapons of the state against opponents. Uh, as Trump himself said to me, he goes, he goes man to man, he goes, you got screwed. He goes, you should have got, it was a technical violation. He goes, but those people, meaning the Obama people, went after you with everything they got. And then he basically said, I got the power to fix it. And I'm going to. So I'm going to give you a full pardon in the morning and it's going to clear your record and go out and be a great champion of freedom and of America. And that's how he left it. So, Dinesh, you said that there was a great process you had to go through or he had to go through. The government has to. So he can't just wake up one morning and go, I want to pardon him. Well, actually, he can. But the process, I think, is merely that the White House counsel will go look at the case You know, they obviously want to make sure that I don't have bodies in my refrigerator. That's something that they've missed. They don't want it to become an embarrassment because of something they didn't know. So it took about a 30-day review to make sure that I was sort of kosher. uh, And then Trump went ahead with his original instinct and signed the pardon. Let me just pretend that I was on CNN and respond. So you're alleging that you don't have heads in your refrigerator i just uh, <laughs> yeah in fact newsweek they yeah, literally right. had an article titled dinesh d'souza claims he's not jeffrey dahmer oh my god you know as claims a, as a, that's my defense right um so tell us about the movie that comes out august 3rd uh the movie explores two big themes um one is fascism and the other is white supremacy now as you know these are the two incendiary accusations that are made not just against Trump, but against the right, against conservatives. The whole notion that fascism is on the right, I mean, I learned that in college at Dartmouth. That was in all my textbooks. Mm. That, that's on the History Channel. So it's part of our conventional wisdom. And so what we do in this movie is we start with current events, but we also do our deep dive into history where we explore the true meaning of fascism and white supremacy and ask you know, do these labels really belong on the Republican elephant or should they be pinned on the tail uh, of, of, of the Democratic donkey? Uh, you are um, you are doing a lot to uh, teach history and correct uh, this kind of nonsense uh, that has been so prevalent and so successful in the last 100 years. How long is it going to take to re-educate people to what really happened, do you think? Well, I think the beauty of living today um, is that things can be checked out. And so when people say things, I, I, I'll speak on campus and someone will say, well, you know, Richard Nixon was a blatant racist. Uh, he had a Southern strategy of appealing to, to, to Southern bigots in the deep South uh, and, and converting them over to the Republican Party. Everybody knows this. So then I'll say to him, I'll say, well, Can you give me an example of a racist statement ever made in public by Richard Nixon? And uh, in doing this, I'm issuing a kind of public challenge because these days we can go to social media, we can search. The truth of it is there is none. And so then the progressive has to back off and comes up with a counterpoint. Well, Nixon didn't make any racist statements, but, you know, he issued these 
coded messages, these racist dog whistles. Uh, apparently, you know, racists are sort of like dogs and they've got this sort of heightened awareness, their ability to, to hear messages that are, that are indecipherable to the rest of us. You know, all this, this comes down the pike. And then I'll say, well, you know, let's, let's remember that one of the first things that Nixon did when he was elected was he started affirmative action. He is the inventor of affirmative action in America. Mm -hmm. Now, does this sound to you like something that a racist would do to send coded messages to his own constituency to have a legal policy of preferring blacks over whites? Does this make any sense? So this is my game. You know, I like to, to, to use facts and use history in a way that's easily verifiable. So someone who's yeah. uh, genuinely puzzled yeah. can, can figure out who's right. Dinesh D'Souza, the uh, name of the movie is Death of a Nation. Can we save America a second time in theaters Friday, August 3rd? Welcome back to Full Citizenship, Dinesh. Always good to talk to you. Thanks. Always a pleasure. The FBI has issued an urgent request to reboot your home or your office internet router now. If you haven't done this, you should do this. Uh, apparently, it's uh, what's needed to disrupt a massive foreign-based malware attack. Gee, I wonder where that's coming from. Hundreds of thousands of routers may have already been compromised, and the malware, malware called VPN Filter could collect information passing it through your router. Now, that's a compromised router, and that could put your privacy and your security of your devices, all of them, at stake. There are many threats in today's digital world. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection now includes the power of Norton Security with added protection. LifeLock uses proprietary technology to help protect you against identity theft, like your information for sale on the dark web. And Norton protects against the online threats like ransomware. And they have the agents to fix it in case something goes wrong. Nobody can stop all cyber threats, prevent all identity theft. But now with LifeLock and Norton Security, they will uncover the threats that you might otherwise miss. Get an additional 10% off the starting price of $7.99 a month, plus the sales tax, if you go to LifeLock.com and enter the promo code back. 1-800-LIFELOCK, 1-800-LIFELOCK, or lifelock.com, promo code BECK. Welcome to the uh, program. You know, uh, it was widely reported that Ted Cruz was uh, really instrumental in the, uh, you know, in the pardon of Dinesh D'Souza, and Dinesh just said that as well. It's weird that Donald Trump denies that story. At least he did it one time. I don't know if he still does. stuck by that, but yeah, he said nobody asked me to do it, which... Uh, well, it may have been true. Maybe Ted didn't officially say. You know... How... how he's, I, well, because he said he didn't know Dinesh. And then he said he... Uh, no one asked him to do it. He just did it. But, but I mean, it's... You know, like, I, I don't know. There's anything... Who, I don't know. I'm sure Dinesh doesn't care, right? Like, no, I am, and I don't really thankful care thankful to the people just, who did it, right? It's just weird. It's yeah, just it's, weird. Yeah, you know, I, I don't understand why he would uh, necessarily. But I mean, that was just maybe his first reaction. Maybe he was protecting Cruz or protecting. Or just, you know, you know uh, it's one thing to have a senator come and ask you for that. And another thing to have, you know, somebody come who might have had money or influence or, hey, listen, Dinesh is saying right. nice things about you. Just he may have been trying to just to make sure that nobody thought bad. that was going on. Right. Yeah. All right. Back in a minute. You're listening to the Glenn Beck Program. 
Welcome to the program. And, uh, welcome to Mr. Pat Gray. Yay. Hello, Pat. Good to be here. So, uh, I don't know what you you have to, uh, the, you know, because you're always outraged about something. I don't know what it is that you've got problems and issues with today. I'm a hothead. I'm just I a hothead. I, need I don't notice that at all about you, actually. No? I, you don't? Oh, no. You actually listen to him. very calm. Listen yeah. to him. See? Hello. See what I mean? Oh, my gosh. Okay, now yeah. I, I heard the, the anger. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, so what yes. are you angry about? bubbling just you, under the surface. What are you angry about today? I, I, well, I'm a little irritated by the mainstream press and uh, what they're doing with the summit uh, drives me out of my mind just because it was Trump. If this was Obama, and I realize everybody's saying if it was Obama, the right would be pissed. And that's probably true because Obama would have gone over there and apologized for everything we've ever done. Um, However, let's, can we just, let, let's, could we have an adult conversation? Absolutely not. I doubt it. Okay, you're right. But you're right. go you're ahead. Right. Let's well, try. We're going to do it. Anyway. Let's try. <laughs> okay. Let's have a let's have a conversation that's going to piss both sides off. Mm-hmm. But somebody has to have this conversation. Mm-hmm. It's absolutely true that they are rooting for this to fall apart. Yeah. They they would rather yeah. have a nuclear armed North Korea that is on the trigger's edge. Yeah. Than Donald Trump be successful. No question about it. Okay. And at the same time, what you said about the right, I know we would have said the same thing. Well, we kind of did when he said he would meet with anybody, including Kim Jong-un or Kim Jong-il, whoever was uh, the premier at that time. But the I only the only it, reason it because why, of his attitude. Yeah. The only reason why I feel that way is he was and, and, and hear me out because Stu's got a great response to this because we've been debating this back and forth all day in the commercial breaks. Um my response is, Pat, that's exactly right. He went mm-hmm. on an apology tour. Mm-hmm. He thinks that America was the aggressor, the colonialist, and he wanted to set the record straight and all the oppressed from being oppressed by the United States, you know, should should all be, you know, free to just do whatever they want with us. That's the way it felt. Donald Trump doesn't feel that way about Not the United States. And so we kind of go in with the feeling that, well, I mean... He has our best interest at heart. And he's not going to accept a book from Hugo Chavez that is anti-American. Right. Now listen to his response. Well, I mean, because I think that that speaks to the idea that we didn't trust Obama, right? Mm -hmm. And and we might trust Trump more. But that's just sides, right? Like the, the left trusted... Obama more and they don't trust Trump right so that's just a sides issue Correct. I think that you know because I think the same thing with not just you know the book was a good is a good example of this we went over and we we hammered we hammered Obama because he took the book from Chavez he stood in front of the Che sign remember when he went to uh, Cuba yep. he was in front of the Che uh, you know light up sign all of these things um, but none of those are even remotely close to the amount of praise heaped onto Kim Jong-un in this meeting. I mean, can you imagine if Barack Obama went, met with Kim Jong-un and started calling him a great guy, a great dictator, a great leader. He's really brave. He's ruled really tough. 
Uh, he's he's an engaging man. We would have gone crazy. Praise on him. Now yeah. I think uh, because I'm just we overlooking believe- that because I know that's 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 Trumpism. That's just that's yeah. the way Donald Trump speaks, and, and think, you can't get away from that. And we also, I think, believe he's full that of hyperbole he's, about whatever, whatever situation he's, he's in at the time. And he's also, I think, he's doing that because for good motivations, right? Like mm-hmm. he's doing it. I think Dinesh D'Souza brought this up a little bit in that there's an ideological <clears throat> potential, an ideological alignment mm-hmm. between Cuba and Obama, where there's not a potential ideological alignment between Trump and and North Korea. But I mean, I think. To, we would have, I think, hammered Obama for doing the exact mm-hmm. same thing, even word for word. Mm-hmm. Like, legitimately, if every single frame of the video was exactly the same, we would have been hammering Obama. Same thing. And I think yeah. we would have done it with Hillary Clinton, too. Uh, oh, absolutely. But, you know, uh, Trump is getting flack for slapping him on the back because that legitimizes him as a leader, supposedly, <laughs> in diplomatic circles. Uh, Barack Obama would have bowed to him. Yeah, the way he did the king of Saudi Arabia, the mayor of Tampa, uh, the janitor at Seven Eleven, the guy bowed to everybody because he was—he was just the president of the crappy United States, yeah. and that's see that is so, the that is the difference. But that's, yep. and it may yeah. not mm-hmm. even be anything other than just the way we feel, mm-hmm. just and, the way we feel. Right, it's not even ex- exactly. Well, we feel that way though because we had so much evidence. Yeah. It's yeah. the way we feel because he made us feel that way. Yes. Yeah. I agree with you. Yeah. I mean, he he went around on the World Apology Tour yep. and was one of the first things he did was tell everybody in the world how bad we were, how flawed we were, mm-hmm. you know. And, you know, yes, we have those, but he immediately set out um, to do whatever. I'm not sure. But the result was half of the country went... Wait a minute, what the hell are you doing? You're on our side. Well, he broke yeah. the long-standing, at least unwritten rule that you don't badmouth the country when you go overseas. He did it all the time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He did it everywhere he went. Yeah. Yeah, and there's a there, you know, there's a I think the biggest point here is kind of what you started with, which is, you know, if let's take turn it around the other side. If every frame of the video was the same. Mm-hmm. If uh the exact same handshake, exact same words of praise, all of that happened and Barack Obama had done it, the media would be fawning over him today. Oh, they would be big time. The, the praise would time. be unending. You know what? You know what article I saw on CNN today? Uh, the uh, labor camps in North Korea mm-hmm. and how they're still doing the labor camps. The meeting was 25 minutes ago. <laughs> Give them a minute. I mean, yes, they're still doing the labor camps, but where were you? You know, yeah. five years ago on labor camps in North Korea, you didn't give a rat's ass about that. And, and to be fair, they didn't. You didn't even discuss them, really. Right. Uh, he, at one point, Trump kind right. of made it seem like they didn't talk uh, human rights at all, and it certainly was not something that they agreed on to I stop don't think labor they, camps. They probably didn't talk about human rights at this point. It's you know, a first you, meeting. Yeah, I, you, know, you want to establish remember yeah. some the, common ground. At the first. media, the same media that uh, bashed Ronald Reagan for being too tough on Gorbachev. Mm-hmm. Same media. Yeah. Too tough. Remember in Reykjavik, he walked away. Right. What? You can't do? Walk away? You can't do that. Uh Eh. So he was too tough and it worked. It worked. Now, this may not work, but we won't know for a while. Right. Now, if it ends up to be exactly the same thing that everybody else has had, where he says one thing and then he just goes back and does it, we'll know it didn't work. Mm -hmm. But it might work. At least we have a chance at peace now. 
we, we we've got a shot. Yeah, I, you know, I mean, no, uh, Barack Obama won a Nobel Prize ten days into into the office, and he he hadn't he didn't do anything nope. except swear him get get sworn in, and that he won a Nobel Peace Prize for that. Well, at least Trump has brought us to the precipice of peace. Now, what happens from this point on? I don't, I don't know, but at least we've got a shot. Yeah, I mean, you know, as as you know, and I'd love it if this if the troops came home from South Korea. I, I would too. love that. And that seems to be something he's pretty from seems friendly with. I mean, it, you know, yeah. it, it appears the South Koreans were surprised by his promise to stop the war uh, exercises with them, which is not maybe the best way to break that news to the Probably media. Not, yeah. But still, I mean, like that's a big. If he decides to continue to that's do that, huge. it's a big. It's a big step, and he's right. It would that. save us a lot of money. Yeah, um, both sides hate that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so it's, South Korea hates that too. Well, I don't know about don't that. Know about They're that. sick of us there. I think some are. I think the I think the new generation is. I think the older generation still loves us, still wants that protection, and appreciates us, and knows that we save their butts. Yeah, but the others don't. So right, okay. I know. Fine, that's take that's care how yourself. I am too. And and you you and I have both gotten more libertarian, libertarian, and isolation. Not isolationist, but I just want to mind our own business. And when we're threatened, that's when the military comes in. When everybody else is threatened, good luck. We are enemies of none. <laughs> unless you're an enemy of our, unless you uh, uh, claim that we are your enemy and you attack us. That's what the founders want. Right. You attack us. We're going to come get you. Yeah. And I think yeah. we can, you know. And we're going to, we're going to bring, we're just, yeah. I we're going to bring everything we have. Mm-hmm. I think we're just breathtakingly unsympathetic for attacks. Yes. And then we just go home. Right. No nation building. Nothing. Just go home. You attacked us. Mm-hmm. You did this. You brought this rain of fire on us. Yep. We are going to just decimate you quickly. And then we're all going home. That's how it should be. See you later. Mm-hmm. And I think it's fair to look at this process, too, as, you know, we're, it's, it's the top of the first inning here. Right? I mean, like, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's okay to look at this and say, to not blame Trump if it falls apart in a few months, and to not praise everything that has happened so far as his incredible achievement. What you have here is a very first step and an important one. Mm-hmm. I think Trump has looked at this in a different way where previous presidents have had more on paper than Trump has. Like they've had stronger language, uh, bigger promises as far as denuclearization. We've had that on paper before. The issue is you're talking to a lesser person in that government where everything there comes top down so trump made the decision i think in in an interesting approach to say let me go to the top and start there instead of working our way up and maybe that's a different different path and and i think he Mm -hmm. is playing into his ego play the we haven't played this yet play the audio uh of the movie that is incredible that donald trump had made to start the the process with kim jong-un listen to this Seven billion people inhabit planet Earth. Of those alive today, only a small number will leave a lasting impact. And only the very few will make decisions or take actions that renew their homeland and change the course of history. History may appear to repeat itself for generations. Cycles that never seem to end. There have been times of relative peace and times of great tension. While this cycle repeats, the light of prosperity and innovation has burned bright for most of the world. History is always evolving, and there comes a time when only a few are called upon to make a difference. But the question is, 
what difference will the few make? The past doesn't have to be the future. Out of the darkness can come the light, and the light of hope can burn bright. Now listen to this. What if a people that share a common and rich heritage can find a common future? Their story is well known, but what will be their sequel? Destiny Pictures presents a story of opportunity, a new story, a new beginning, one of peace, two men, two leaders, one destiny. A story about a special moment in time when a man is presented with one chance that may never be repeated. What will he choose? To show vision and leadership? Or not? Interesting. Is that crazy? Really, really good. It's really good. Playing he, right into right, Kim Jong Un. Yeah, right the, into it. The basketball shot yeah, at the end because he knows he's a basketball fan. <laughs> That's out of the blue, you got a basketball dunk. And the, the White House makes <laughs> the White great. House has this film made, Destiny Pictures. Mm-hmm. He's also a Western picture fan. Yeah, he right. loves Hollywood. He's, he loves right. Hollywood. He's this was brilliant. Yeah, it is. This was it's brilliant. Smart. It is. We don't know if it's going to work, but he is saying. Come on, brother. Just mm-hmm. give him up. You can just be like us. We're going to be, we're all going to be buddies. You're going to be famous. We're going to make you a star. You're going to be a wealthy, normal nation now. I mean, if it's, you just do this, take this big right. step with us. Yeah. That's got to be attractive to him. Right. With a starving right. population. That's got to be attractive. Yeah. I mean, it, you know, it'll end in war crimes for him and the loss yeah. of his country. But, but I hope but he still. takes it. I hope he takes it. <laughs> all right. Thanks, Pat. Pat Gray Unleashed coming up on the Blaze Radio and TV networks. You can get it wherever podcasts are or at theblaze.com slash TV. All right. So the Fed is uh, signaling more rate hikes. Okay. Why? Why? Because everything's fine. And we can just we can jack those rates up because the Actually, entire economy is fine. Everything's fine. Actually, I mean, it, we are in a good position, right? You can understand the, the, uh, the belief that now's the time to kind of bring these rates up. We've got unemployment at, an, at, at record lows, uh, you know, basically the lowest it's been in 50 years. Yeah, usually the rates go up because of inflation. Right, but that's because the economy uh-huh. is improving. Uh-huh. And there's a whole buttload of money out there. Mm-hmm. The way that your investment will thrive during inflation is gold. For instance, you just leave your money in the bank. You, just the devaluation of the dollar is going to eat that savings away. Don't wake up one day and find out that your dollars are worth less or worthless. You have no asset to protect yourself or your cash. Don't think this can't happen. It's happened all around the world. Look at Zimbabwe is the latest big example. Goldline's going to give you a free Zimbabwean $10 billion bill. Wow. I'm a 10 billionaire. Uh-huh. It's Zimbabwean money. So if you want a $10 billion bill... Just keep it in your wallet. It's great to have. They're going to send it to you for free if you just ask for it as a reminder of of how bad things can get in countries that think, well, no, no, you know, we're not doing anything crazy. 
Goldline. The only company I trust for myself and my family is Goldline. Find out if gold or silver is right for you. Read their important risk information at 866-GOLDLINE. The operators are standing by right now. Get your Zimbabwean $10 billion bill because it's fun. Uh, 866-GOLDLINE. 1-866-GOLDLINE or goldline.com. I, I, Scam. I, went, I saw Ocean's uh, 8 last night with the family. Really good. I really liked it. I really liked it. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, it's not actually a great series, Ocean's. The Ocean's movies. No. Ocean's 11 is a great movie. It's one of the best movies. It's one of my favorite One of your favorites movies. of all time. Yeah. Ocean's 12 Horrible. is terrible. And Ocean's Horrible. 13 is mediocre. It's yes. okay. It's yes, okay. it's okay. 12 is universally thought of as terrible. Um, there's no one with any sense who believes anything. Otherwise. I agree with that 110. <laughs> yeah. You know what? You know what a better sequel to Ocean's Eleven is? What? Uh, Lucky Logan or Lucky? Oh yeah, I saw that yeah. too. Yeah, that was again. That was good. Was good. That was good. good. The Seven Eleven, the, the Ocean Seven Eleven, right. is uh, what that one's called. Lucky but Logan. Ocean's uh, Ocean's Ocean's Eight? Eight, I liked it. I was really like essentially it. the same movie as the other movies. Uh, shockingly, yes. <laughs> uh, and they even brought some of the Ocean's Eleven characters into it. I, I enjoyed it. You'll like it. It's fun. Glenn, Beck, Mercury.